After years on the road, Timmy parked the van and picked up the mic to bring you this podcast that features interviews with people from hardcore to hair metal. This is Talk To Me with your host, Joshua Toomey. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Talk To Me, episode 37. On this episode, I speak to the mighty Dave Ellefson of Megadeth. Honored to have him on the podcast. Cannot wait for you guys to hear that interview. So let's get some business out of the way so we can get to our show. As always, the Talk To Me podcast is brought to you by Puck Hockey. They are a boutique brand. None of the apparel is mass-produced. In fact, they don't aspire to be the next Reebok or CCM. They want to ensure that you are getting a truly special and unique product that has been personally approved by the athletes, musicians, and artists themselves. And they love adding little extras like custom labeling, one-of-a-kind zipper pulls, cool stickers, etc. Their goal is to engage you in total hockeydom, and they look forward to pushing the boundaries and exceeding your expectations of what a hockey brand can be. Hopefully you're going over to puckhockey.com, and that's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com, getting yourself some 36 Crazy Fist stuff, getting yourself some Dave Ellison stuff, getting yourself some Tom Hazard gear, First Jason, Bumblefoot, Pro Hockey Players, There's all kinds of great stuff over there at puckhockey.com, so make sure you are checking them out, letting them know that you hear about them on the Talk To Me podcast. Let our sponsors know that the Talk To Me podcast is driving people towards their site. Also, head on over to amazon.com, search out the Talk To Me podcast, get your Talk To Me t-shirt. They come in men's sizes, women's sizes, kids' sizes, a few different colors, and it is fantastic because every time you buy a Talk To Me t-shirt... Amazon writes me a nice little check, and it goes towards the podcast. And if you want to sponsor the Talk To Me podcast, always reach out to me, talktometalk at gmail.com, and that's talk, T-O-O-M as in Mary E-Y, talk at gmail.com. This is Frank Fonsere from Stuck Mojo and Fozzie, and you're listening to the Talk To Me podcast. All right, guys, let's do our shout-outs for sharing. If you want a shout-out on a future episode of the Talk To Me podcast, make sure that when you see the link that you share it on Facebook, retweet it on Twitter, send it out however you are, and then uh, let me know that you're sharing it. Due to privacy settings, a lot of times I'm not seeing it if you're sharing it, so please let me know that you're sharing it, and I will give you a nice shout-out on the podcast. So, everyone who shared the Brock Lindau of 36 Crazy Fist episode Thank you so much, and here are your shout-outs. Tabitha Toomey, thank you so much. Eric Hall and the Shoot the Shred podcast, both sites share the podcast. Thank you so much. Andy Hot and Zero King, thank you guys. Kyle Baltus of 36 Crazy Fish shared the podcast on Facebook. Mosh Pit Willie Miller, great name, thanks so much. Matt Holbert, Aaron Zola, Robert Guitar Wiz Riley, Scott Sullivan, Brian Cuddies, Cuddits, Cuddies, I'm sorry if I butchered your name there. Ben Nodes, Mr. Australia, Ben Nodes, Kelly Cochran, Rico Kohler, happy birthday, Mr. Kohler. And then we head over to the tweets. The Hydrate Level 4 podcast retweeted it. Kimberly Ray and my favorite of all, at Alaska Lover. The one site that you go to for alaskadating.com retweeted the Brock Lindau of 36 Crazy Fist episode of the Talk To Me podcast. So if you have not checked that out, make sure to go check it out. Last episode, bonus episode. Thank you guys so much for shouting it out.
and to the guest this week, David Ellison of Megadeth, who just put out a masterpiece of an album called Dystopia. If you are a true Megadeth fan, I know you have to be loving the new Megadeth album with Kiko and Chris Adler. Those two additions to the band have made so much difference. Just going back to a thrash metal sound that the last few records, you know, they've been good. They've been metal. They've been awesome. But this, uh, this new lineup has breathed so much energy into the band and i know a lot of us wanted the classic rust in peace era lineup to get back together with you know nick menza marty friedman dave mustaine dave ellison those four guys back together but i think that uh they've made the proper choices here got the right guys in the band it's a great great record i could i was so excited when i first got dystopia you know threw it in the cd player in the truck if you've been listening to the podcast you understand that joke but i threw it in thoroughly enjoyed it just rocked out to it as much as i could and uh just being a megadeth fan for so long i was such so honored to have dave come on the podcast and uh it's a lot of fun man the interview that we have he goes through a lot of stuff a lot of funny stories a lot of uh good stuff he's doing a lot of great things with his roast in peace coffee his new emp label that he's got with tom hazard those two things are uh, going strong a lot of great bands coming out of there talk to me alumni another lost years on that label so make sure you're checking out what they do over there at emp i got a nice package in the mail the other day from my friend jeremy owsley who is out on the uh, megadeth tour he's one of the bus drivers out on the tour he sent me a nice megadeth care package with uh some cool prints and uh, some autographs so gotta give a nice shout out to my friend jeremy owsley who i basically grew up with in the tennessee area listening to megadeth going to megadeth concerts and uh one one cool story that we have for the podcast is uh Back in, I believe, 1995, Megadeth came through Nashville with Corrosion of Conformity. They were on the Euthanasia Tour, and they had uh, put together a Feed the Children Megadeth food drive. It was so crazy. You brought like 10 pounds of food or so many cans of food down to the Second Harvest Food Bank there in Nashville. And you got a sweet Megadeth backstage pass. And you got to meet Megadeth for doing this. And uh, I'll just never forget that, you know, you would go to the show. You went to the show. You uh, they stood you in a line of uh, people. And, you know, here comes Megadeth kind of coming down, shaking hands and uh, talking to you. But there was no autographs, no photos, no nothing. So it was, uh, you know, it was kind of a letdown at that point. But, uh, you know, we got to meet Megadeth, you know, like right after the show. And it was so cool to get to see Megadeth and uh, Corrosion Conformity together. And Corrosion Conformity was on, like, the Deliverance album cycle. So that was such a cool... Uh, such a cool time to see those guys live too. So I'll never forget, you know, my first time meeting Dave Mustaine, Dave Ellison, Nick Menza, Marty Freeman. So cool to meet all those guys. And then uh, kind of going on. And uh, if you listen to episode one of the podcast, I believe I go over my Marty Friedman story about running into it running into him on the streets of Nashville a few years later. So very cool to have met them back in the day. Very cool to have had Dave Ellison on my podcast, the Talk To Me podcast. I hope you guys enjoy the interview. But first, I'm going to play you some Megadeth off of the new Dystopia album that is out in stores now. This song is called Fatal Illusion. It's got a super sweet bass line in it. That's why I chose it to put that on the podcast. So here's some Fatal Illusion. Then my interview with the one, the only, Dave Ellison of Megadeth.
potential Bad decisions made in spite A touchy hairpin trigger And such wasted life No vital sign of life, been declared it wasn't there Coroner never checked because he didn't fucking care Passed off the body, they all believe he died Starting up the hearse, set up for a final drive Like whiskey breath and graveyard When walking by at night It's a fatal illusion to think that evil ever dies Hey, this is Jim Brewer, and thanks for listening to the Talk To Me podcast. Not you, talk to me. <laughs> so here we are. So yeah, let's roll it, man. Let's, let's do it. All right, we are going. Uh, you know, first off, David, thanks for taking some time today. Uh, obviously, been a huge fan of yours. Uh, you know, since I was a little kid. So, so obviously, you know, just uh, taking some time today is a huge honor for me. So, I'll stop with the uh, ass kissing now, and uh, we can go on with our interview. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. With Dystopia, I just want to say thanks for putting out a, just a great classic Megadeth record. I think that uh, Kiko and the uh, and Chris being on the record of just a. Uh, added new life to the band and i think it just sounds great so thank you so much for that yeah thank you much i uh, i think fans agree you know that uh it was just uh we've been through obviously a lot of lineups and a lot of transitions over the years and uh some real pure gold and magic landed in our laps on this one so it's it's glad when the fans are happy we're all happy 
Yeah, and I know from uh, just seeing all the crowd reaction, things like that out there. So everybody is totally into this uh, into this new album, and uh, just you know, just once again, just you know, from the fans, thank you. And uh, so let's move on to your label. You know, what made you wanted to to start a label in the you know in this uh, climate in the year 2015, 2016? <clears throat> you know, um, it's funny. Like a lot of things in life, they just sort of land in your lap when you least expect it. And you know, I've had this. Uh, this mindset here in in the last I don't know ten fifteen years that you know just say yes to things. I love that Jim Carrey movie Yes Man. That's like my that should be like a music business mandatory movie to watch. You know because um, you know so many things. You know our business has certainly changed and you know it makes it makes artists scared. Um, it makes people kind of kick back in their heels. Certainly the internet revolution has changed everything in our lives and the music business was one of the first to sort of, you know, get get caught up in the wild and woolly, uh, you know, World Wide Web. And um, mostly what it's changed is it's changed certainly the distribution channel of how we buy, receive, you know, music and the arts and entertainment. Um, and I think probably from the traditional model of the, of the business uh, in Hollywood and New York and, you know, we're sort of the, the epicenters of the business lie, you know, they're, they, they struggled how to, first they fought it and then they realized that was a losing battle. And then they tried quickly tried to figure out how do we harness it so we can continue to make money from it. Um, and so I think, you know, some of those things have kind of shaken out a little bit now. And, you know, for me, I, you know, my goal is not to be a mogul. My goal is not to, well, I want to, you know, be over on the business side. I mean, I like music, man. I'm a fan first and foremost. That's how I became a bass player. It's how I got into bands. It's how I became a, you know, a performer and a recording artist and a songwriter and all the things that I do in my own life. And, and you know, because I wrote that music business book many years ago, which was just a real passion of mine. Um, you know, born out of my own experiences, just handing that down to the next generation who are coming up. Um, a lot of things in those book, in that book, Making Music Your Business, when I did the audio book for that, um, just, uh, I guess it was last year, I did the audio book for it. I had to even rewrite chapters for the audio book, you know, because there were things, you know, I had formulas in there that applied to the cassettes and, you know, mu- music videos, you know, so I was like, oh boy. Yeah. So I kind of, on the fly, I rewrote it, you know, so making music your business, the audio book version is really kind of volume two. It's kind of the updated version of it, you know. Um, and what and what's scary is you could probably do a volume three, you know, this year and a volume totally. four next year because everything is just changing so fast. Totally, totally. And so, you know, to kind of, you know, that's the long answer to your question. But, you know, the question, you know, is, is a good one. So, you know, what happened is, is um, you know, I'm always in touch with all kinds of different people. And, you know, it, certainly even with big, big bands like Megadeth and things. You know, some of the things stay a little bit the same um, because some of the rules of the business just can't be rewritten. I mean, think the die has been cast and it is what it is. But I think certainly for the smaller, younger, new, emerging artists looking to get into the game, the rules have absolutely changed, you know. And, you know, the big money's not there on the front end for the artist because the big money's not there on the back end for the, you know, for the infrastructure of the of the record industry anymore. So... You know, for the, you know, uh, I think you talked to my partner, Tom Hazart, um, who uh, is the operations manager and A&R for my label. Um, you know, the first thing I said to him is I said, listen, man, I, I'm only into doing this for one reason, and that is that I can offer hopefully an on-ramp into the music business for some artists who have worked hard, who are willing to work even harder, and can really bring, you know, deliver the goods, um, because... 
Um, it's not for everybody. I mean, the, the, the entry-level requirements, in my opinion, are still the same. Um, while the Internet has made making records and putting things out through, you know, the various CD Baby and Reverb Nation, a lot of these different, you know, outlets, while it's made that more accessible to people, you know, great songs are still great songs. And, and you still have to have a great act and a great song uh, in order to achieve greatness. So um, I said, listen, if this label can offer you know, artists who, you know, we feel are really, you know, worthy of, of that opportunity um, by their songs and by their work ethic. And, and if, if we can offer that to some, to some artists to, you know, to put their music out, then, then I'm certainly interested in, in giving it a try. So that's where we are. You know, we have, um, I think, about a dozen titles now in our catalog. Um, and, you know, artists bring us, uh, you know, pretty much finished product and, uh, you know, bands today, they realize, man, they got to do a lot of the work themselves. You know, they realize that they've got to bring kind of the full caliber of everything to the table. And, um, you know, we can offer them a distribution channel and some resources to, you know, to push their, their, their records out. And, and hopefully that gives them a, you know, kind of jump starts their, their career and they can then be out doing the things that are necessary with tours and shows and, and um and videos and you know the kind of move you know that's sort of the starting point is once we push yeah. that record out so what would you say like for an up-and-coming band uh for fans of an up-and-coming band what would you say would be the uh, avenue that they need to take to truly support that band would it be you know would it be buying a physical cd would it be downloading it legally through itunes or however you download your music legally you know, going out to the shows, buying a T-shirt. You know, what do you think is the most important thing right now? Well, I think all of it's important. You know, I think, I think, look, a T-shirt, a CD, a download, a live show. You know, first of all, you have to have something compelling for people to want to come and see and buy, and a T-shirt to wear on their chest. You know, uh, so yeah. you know, again, that's where a great song, a great act, a great design. I mean, those things, those you know, the the, the, the you know, design things are still you know, the rules apply there. Um, you know, what, what, you know, a, a, a public is going to be gravitated to. I mean, you know, you kind of use your best, you know, gauge of what that is and, and, um, you know, and, 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 you know, and putting that out there, you know, it's like in our case through the label channels, but, um, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, I, I, you know, it's, 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 I, I think we've got some acts on the label, for instance, that have already done incredible footwork you know they they tour 220 days a year they've spent a lot of money making great records and they've made a lot of money taking songs to radio and they really get it you know they know like look yeah. no one's going to do this for us we have to set the stage because one of the things i think that that i think we artists and i say we because i'm i'm one myself is is you know record companies and promoters you know they're you know promoters are interested in one thing putting people in their venue you know, so that they can sell tickets. You know, bar owners are interested in getting people in their bar so people buy drinks. <laughs> um, you know, uh, record companies are interested in uh, bands and artists who can sell products for them, sell records, you know. And, and so really when you get into the music business, you really have to start to put a different hat on. You know, there's this, and, I, and of course I do it myself, you know, we go through this process of the creation, you know, which is where you're writing and you're creating and you're recording and, and you really don't want to be bothered with business at that point, you know, because that's all about, you know, really the, the, the you know, intangible creative process and, 
And that's the thing that us musicians and artists that we just thoroughly love, you know, I think all of us, we'd probably do that for free because that yeah. that's the thing that gets us out of bed in the morning. But one, yeah, I think there's a lot of, uh, sorry, there's a lot of, uh, you know, actors and stuff that say that they don't get paid or even musicians, they don't get paid for the 30 minutes they're on stage, the two hours they're on stage, they get paid for the other 22 hours that they're not on stage. Exactly. That, no, it, absolutely. You know, and, and, I, and I think we all agree because, you know, again, we're passionate about that, that artistic thing that we do. But then there's the reality, which is, all right, I, man, I, you know, if, if, if enough people like this, it's like I could probably do this full time. I either can have a part time job or no job or, you know, and I think that's the dream of every artist is like, how can I just keep doing more of this all the time? You know, um, and, you know, then it comes to marketing and, you know, then money comes in the mix and all these other things. And and and, you know, hence the music business, you know, kind of the oxymoron of of uh, the left and right brain. So, um, you know, if 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 our team can help these you know artists that we're signing, if we can sort of, you know, the team here of, of the label help take care of some of those other, you know, uh, right brain things of business and marketing and those kind of things so that our artists can go out and really, truly be great creators and performers and and recording artists, then I think that's a, that's the perfect, that's kind of the perfect marriage that we're looking for. So what do you see like the, uh, the hugest difference of like when you guys were, when Megadeth was a up and coming band in the mid eighties, when you guys signed to like combat, uh, what do you guys see as like the major difference between, you know, that period of time to what's going on now in the music business? Well, you know, in a lot of ways there isn't really any difference. It's kind of the same thing, you know? I mean, I remember there was a defining point when we were on the killing is my business tour. We were out on this tour with another label mate uh, called exciter out of Canada. And, um, some dates were getting canceled and, you know, we were just a fledging little band. I mean, half that, tour was paid for on my credit card that my dad gave me when I left home in Minnesota. And, you know, we're, we're beyond our means and, and we weren't getting paid very much money. And, and I remember we made a call to the record label and we said, listen, we're in Kansas city. We're in the middle of the tour. We're broke. We literally have no money, no food, nothing. And I remember there were like some, some fan girls who went to the grocery store and bought a hibachi and some food so we could set up a, a basically a barbecue in the parking lot of this motel six and we could eat that day. I mean, it like really, it was wow. literally down to, you know, daily bread kind of thing, you know? And, um, and the label said, we think you should just go home and get jobs, you know? And, and I'd say, talk about a moment where you either fold your hand and go and be defeated or you stand up and be counted. You know, and for us, obviously, that was a moment where we just stood up and said, you know what, we're sick of this crap. We're taking matters into our own hands. And fortunately, you know, the next record got signed to Capitol Records and we went up to the major label and, you know, everything, you know, went to that next level and, and allowed us to be who we are today. But, you know, it's 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 I'll never forget a comment Billy Sheehan made when I interviewed him for that first book, you know, Making Music Your Business. He made a comment. That basically said, you're going to have to make the most difficult decisions of your career under the most difficult situations, like under the most duress, you know. And, you know, everybody sees us on stage, you know, under the bright lights and all the fan glory for, the, again, those 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes. And it all looks wonderful. But, um, you know, if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. And I think there's these moments where, for all artists that that these really defining moments come where either you're going to cave in or you're going to press on and you know I'll reference 
I'll reference the line that which doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. And, and I think that's really where, you know, artists have to get to, and it sucks, you know, it really sucks that the, you know, for the creative types, you have to be under that kind of, you know, duress. Um, but it really does, it, 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 it galvanizes you as a person and it makes you a different, hopefully better person. And, and, um, you know, you can either, you can either get, get jaded and negative by it, or you can get better from it. So do you think with the metal community uh, kind of being built on tape trading and, uh, the, you know, the, the 80s culture, of just you would find out your new band because your buddy at school would bring you a tape. So many tape trades out there and things like that. Do you think there's a, like a kind of a moral dilemma when it comes to downloading because of, uh, you know, the culture is kind of based on, uh, you know, dubbing and, and uh, copying things for your friends? You know, it's it's funny when, you know, I think when we were kids, at least I know when I was a kid, you know, it's like there was never this like, you know, running off a thousand copies of a, you know, burning a, a vinyl LP to a cassette so you'd sell them to all your friends. It was a it was an honest, you know, hey, dude, check out this new band, ACDC, or oh, my God, this check out this new group, Cheap Trick, this has put out a new record. And so, you know, I think we've all come from that and i know our thrash scene back in the early 80s that's how that was all started you know and and the goal was make a demo send it out i mean just give it away basically send it around the world so that the magazines in europe would get it and and um you know i always i always tell my bands you know you're never going to be a hometown hero till you're a hero somewhere else and for us it was about becoming a hero in europe once we got to europe that was sort of the defining moment that now we're legitimate and 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 you know for bands today maybe it's just doing a u.s tour or maybe it's playing one state away or whatever that is but you know you have to leave the comforts of your hometown to get out and do that stuff and for these days you know selling records at shows and i mean we we're growing up I, they never sold any records at shows because they were actually just that they were vinyl 12 inch records and cassettes, right. you know but you know vinyl's back with a vengeance um cassettes are even starting to make a bit of you know rearing their their head again so i mean there's all these different things that are coming back and um and um and it's just uh you know just you know again so you know the one thing that you can never replace through the internet or you know youtube or anything is that that personal experience of a bunch of people being in a room to rock out and enjoy a show. You just can't, you can't duplicate that because it's, because it's real, you know? So there's some things that we kind of hold on to and look, people are people and we like to be connected and music connects us. So that's, I think that's the thing that, that makes all of us want to, you know, want to hang together as a tribe. So tell me about this uh, roast in peace coffee that you've got. How did how did you get involved in the coffee business? You know, well, I think most of my fans know that I'm a huge coffee drinker, and uh, you know, and I as I go around the world, I've shot many videos hanging out at coffee places, <laughs> and you know, sort of this this tireless pursuit of finding the perfect coffee bean, you know. Um, and it's just you know, it's just a fun little you know passion. It's kind of like where's Waldo, you know, where's David at the coffee place today, kind of thing, you know. Um, yeah. and you know, it was a friend presented it to me, just said, Hey, you know, uh, want to make an introduction to you to, uh, parliament coffee roasters. And, and out of that was born, you know, it's kind of like the record label. I, I, I produced and, and, and developed this little, uh, female group called doll skin. And, you know, in order to sign it, I had to form an imprint and it's kind of what the coffee business is. You know, I basically formed an imprint coffee label, uh, to, you know, to work with a coffee roaster to, to, you know, to put coffee out. So, um, you know, these things are, it just, you know, life is funny that way, man. This cards come your way and you wake up one day and you're like, wow, I never thought it'd be 
you know, overseeing a coffee company, but what the heck, why not? You know? So, you know, to, to me, it's, you know, just say yes and just go with the flow. <laughs> yeah. I just had uh, like I told you earlier, I just had Tom Hazard on the podcast and we were talking about, you know, you guys and I, we, I was joking about a scenario of, you know, you and, uh, you and Tom going down to Brazil on a couple of donkeys with one, one about this, you know, pick, picking out the coffee beans like this, these will be the beans for our coffee. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's cool because, you know, I taste all of them, so I personally taste it. And there's a bunch that I passed on. I mean, I, I in fact, there was some that I, I wanted to like, and when I got them, I didn't. I'm like, yeah, that ain't going to work, you know. So, um, you know, if I'm going to put my name on it, I want it to be something that I, that, you know, first of all, it's got to be something I like. And I realize I, I have a, a personal taste. And just because I like or don't like it doesn't mean someone else isn't going to like it. But, uh, um, you know, at the same time, kind of a bigger part of it is because coffee you know, coffee generally grows around the equator belt of the of the earth. That's the the climates that are you know more inclined to you know for for coffee growing. Um, so there's you know kind of a limited number of countries that are going to be producing coffee. But for me, as a as a world traveler and a global kind of guy, um, I wanted it to be something that that's very community oriented. You know, that brings people together over a good cup of joe. And you know, to start with a Brazilian blend, and I've got a few other <laughs> a few other blends, and I'm gonna you know, push out here that I'm, that I'm looking at right now that, um, you know, that are, that are things that, that, that again, create community, that fans are excited, you know, like, Hey, this is cool. There's, you know, here's a coffee that David's pushing out. That's from my country. And, and, um, you know, it's kind of like when we do tour books, we put the flags in there, you know, to just sort of signify all the different countries that we've been to. And I think the coffee thing is, is the sort of that same mindset. So with the coffee, did you call uh, Charlie Benante and ask him any questions about it, or uh, you just kind of you like I'm coming for you, Charlie? <laughs> no, no, man, I'm not. It's funny. I you know I love that Charlie loves coffee. I mean, look, Charlie's got you know he's got basically a Starbucks drum kit. You know, I mean, you know, <laughs> right. so I mean, you know, yeah, me and my buddies, you know, we, uh, you know, we we have like-minded interests. But uh, yeah, I you know, it's it's again, it was really something that was just sort of fell in my lap and became fun. So I just said, oh, let me let me just sort of put my own. You know, my own lifestyle into the coffee because coffee's part of my lifestyle. That's great. So is there anything we haven't hit on on the podcast yet? I know you've got some uh, some pedals coming out on a you know, signature basis, things like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the signature base, I've I've been working with Jackson now since um, since the Rust and Peace Tour back, or the 20th anniversary Rust and Peace Tour back in 2010. And, um, and that is a lot that was largely a throwback back into the original rust and peace days and 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 my my heritage with the with the jackson brand from back in the late 80s and the 90s um and so yeah new new base that i just rolled out i've got uh let's see what do i have one two three four signature models now with jackson and uh wow. and yeah it's it's really cool you know and, and you know again the bases to me you know, they, they are part of my legacy, part of my life, so I put my life back into those bases. And, and you know, it's, I think, you know, with as rock and roll fans, you know, we like to see, you know, we identify, you know, the guitars that our heroes play and the strings they use and the picks and, I guess, the coffee they drink and all these things, you know. <laughs> right. it's, all, it's all part of it, you know, and, and it makes it... Uh, you know, it's it's it gives. I think it gives fans and people an opportunity to sort of just you know kind of have a little give a little piece of my life, a little piece of the Megadeth legacy, um, and it's something that that you know again brings brings us together, man. There's so many things that divide people in music. I've always seen music as this as this 
way to bring people together and create community and you know a thrash metal over the years you know megadeth was was a founder of of the thrash community and and i just i see us thriving and 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 being stronger than ever all these years later so the things that i do with instruments or coffee or clothes or pedals or strings or whatever it is you know record label all these things these are things that i you know are are for me, they're, they're really they're kind of me reinvesting back into our community to keep to keep things going and keep us all together again. Yeah, growing up, I grew up a bass player. I was never a guitar player, always a bass player. And uh, you know, I grew up you know loving you, loving Cliff Burton, loving Jason Newstead. Just being able to uh, you know just get up on stage later in life and and you know tour and do the things like that. You know, thank you for uh, you know inspiring me as a kid to to want to pick up a bass and want to play. Even being the uh, the the music behind MTV News for so long, you know, right. that, was, that was always so cool. Like getting a little piece of Megadeth on uh, every day on MTV. Yeah, and you know, it, it, again, there's a you know kind of a freebie that fell in our lap. You know, I'll never forget we're at the band apartment over in Silver Lake, just east of Hollywood, and and um, one day, you know. Your MTV News, do 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 do. Where you heard it first? You're like, whoa, was, was that our song? You know, and uh, <laughs> and you know, then you kind of think, yeah, it's just. A, then you hear it the next time, and it's got the little, you know, DJ scratch. So you go, well, I must have just been a one-off, you know. And then all of a sudden, you start hearing it all the time, and people start stopping you, you know, and you go, dude, your song's under MTV News, you know, and you realize how far-reaching it is, and. You know, so much of this stuff is, is, you know, you just try to be yourself and you put yourself into your music, you record it, you push it out, people enjoy it, and it's it's just amazing. It's always, you know, a thrill to just see how far-reaching that little ripple in the in the water can go, you know, and how many people get reached by it. I mean, obviously, we see it at Megadeth Tours and as we go around the world. Man, our fans are the same wherever we go. It doesn't matter what creed, religion, politics, or any of that stuff that's going on, man. Music is the equalizer, and it brings us all together, and it's that time we can just sort of, we can check out into our fantasy world together, you know. And um, it's one of the things I love about touring the world and, and, and playing shows, whether it's in India or Russia or London or Buenos Aires or wherever it is. It's, <laughs> it's something that really brings us together. So that's so great. So uh, another little piece on me is I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. I currently live in Louisville, Kentucky, but I grew up in Nashville. I moved away from Nashville, and they're like, Dave, and everybody moves to town. So uh, do you have any plans to move to Tennessee? I don't. Um, I like Tennessee, and it's it's been, you know, I grew up up in Minnesota, so I grew up in a little, you know, on a farm outside of a small-town farming community. So I'm used to small-town life. I get it. I grew up around it. Um, uh, I don't really want to live that life now. I like living in the city. And, of course, I grew up around country music my whole life. You know, I, me and my buddies, we were like the four rock and rollers against country music. So to me, <laughs> you know, to me, it's uh, Nashville is very much a different town than it used to be many, many years ago. But uh, um, but we've had great success in Nashville. You know, we've made many Megadeth records down there. It's a great it's a it's a it's a cool city. It's it's hip. It's vibrant. It's got a young pulse to it, you know, and uh you know, and, and, you know, one thing I will say about country music, as much as I'm not a fan of it, you know, as a, as a listener, is, you know, they, they're about community, man. They bring people together. And, and that's something that is admirable that I like about, about that. And, you know, um, I hate to say country music rubbed off on me as a kid, but maybe it did a little bit with that mentality because, you know, as rock and rollers, again, man, there's a lot of things that divide us and split us apart. And, you know, I, I, I see now more than ever, and maybe it's just because I'm a little bit older and I've been doing this for a while, but, you know, you know, thrash metal community is pulled together. We're thriving, and, and uh, you know, I think it, it probably doesn't matter where you live now. As long as you keep your head in the music, that's the thing that keeps you going anyway. 
Yeah, that's definitely true. That was the one thing I've always said. I've actually brought this up on other episodes of this podcast, but where we talked about where I grew up in Nashville playing in metal bands, there was such a such a huge country community there. But the other thing that was there were all of these great studios, and a lot of those guys that ran those studios didn't like country music. They loved metal music, so you would get these incredible deals on studio time, if not even free, just so that they could record some metal. So that was always nice growing up in Tennessee. Yeah, and there's even like a kind of an alternative music vibe there, and you know what I mean. So it's yeah, it's a it's a music city. You know, I remember going there on a family vacation when I was a teenager, and um, going out to you know, with my parents and another family, and we went out to um, uh, Grand Ole Opry and seeing Dolly Parton and all that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah. as a kid. You know, and the one thing I did like about it, look, I'm into guitars and music and all that kind of stuff, so, um, you know, all these years later to actually get to know some of the, you know, it's funny, a lot of the country artists and the country musicians, I mean, I'm talking big ones, you know, they're fans, they grew up on, like, Megadeth and Metallica and thrash and the big four and you know they 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 get it i mean you know and and the the musicianship is incredible that's one thing that i do admire is you know in in nashville you you don't get very far if you can't sing and you can't play that's for sure all right dave well i've just got a couple more questions i'll let you go i know i know you got a hard out so just growing up a bass player you know as as uh, as you did you know what uh, kind of got you what got you wanting to play the bass you know i was i grew up for the first band that really you know that the first couple groups that probably caught my ear were things like sweet sticks kiss um and, and certainly bachman turner overdrive i mean those are things i heard on the radio um out of chicago wlsam that i heard on the school bus as a kid and i became a big bto fan uh, i don't know why that record just spoke to me <laughs> not fragile you know i love it man it's just so cool um and um and then i became a big kiss fan and then you know van halen and boston and you know then got into judas priest and iron maiden and then finally into motorhead and maiden and you know def, you know early def leopard and, you know the new wave of british heavy metal basically um, so that was kind of the trajectory of, of my musical influences. And, you know, for me, there's just something about hard rock and metal I loved, you know, and, um, you know, the guitar playing, you know, the, I liked, I liked the harmonies and harmony vocals and harmony guitar parts. And, um, you know, as a bass player, you know, you know, it, it's, I, I, you know, there's so many, I mean, you know, guys like, you know, Geddy Lee, of course, and, Geezer Butler and certainly Steve Harris, I think, was a huge game changer for a lot of people my age because he was the band leader, he was the songwriter, and he was the bass player, you know, and he was basically almost like a front man of the band, him and the singer. And it was just so cool to see that a band could be led by the bass player. Um, and so, you know, there's, there, I think those are probably, in, in, at least in rock music, those are probably the guys that were the big influences for me early on. That's, oh, that's so great. And then, uh, what's the just the current state of Megadeth? What are you guys uh, What are you guys doing right now? We, uh, we well, we first did we did the first about five, almost six weeks of the Dystopia North American tour, and and now we're going to go do the the Spring Festival starting here at the end of uh, April through May, and then we're over to Europe for uh, June and July, and then we have a big Latin America tour for August, and now we're just uh, working on confirming what the rest of our year is going to look like now. So yeah, it's a busy year. I mean, Dystopia has been very well received. The songs are a blast to play live. They're so much fun, and uh, uh, it's nice to have a record we can go so deep into it, um, and uh, you know, and, and just keep pulling more songs out. 
put him in the set list. That's so cool. And I'll leave you with this last question, and yeah. it's kind of tongue-in-cheek. But, uh, you know, you release Dystopia, and that's when uh, Adele comes out with her massive seller record. Right. And then, you, you know, back in the day, you released Countdown to Extinction, and that's when country music star Billy Ray Cyrus puts out a record. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a massive record. So would you just call that dumb luck, or what would you call that? Because both of those times, you should have had number one record. Well, you know, chart positions are all based on sales, you know. And, and you know, having a number one... You know, is you know, you kind of really can't predict what else is going to be out around that time. I mean, you get a little bit of a temperature, and you know, there's a little bit of buzz in the industry of some other things that are going to be out. But um, you know, you can't always predict those things. And I, I think, yeah, I mean, you know, to be behind Adele and those things. I mean, look, she's a terrific artist and has a lot of big mainstream fans. You know, so it, I think for us, it's not so much about did we beat Adele. I think for us, it's more about how did we do compared to maybe our past records, you know? You um, and I think that's always the benchmark for us because we're metal, man. I mean, we're, we, we beat to our own drum as a metal community, you know? And, and so um, I think it's kind of more about having a record, the Megadeth record that charted that high and so many fans rallied around it and went out and bought it right away in that first week. I think that says a lot, not, not just about Megadeth, but about the strength of the metal community.
And there you go, guys. Some bonus Megadeth on this episode. Such a great classic song. Classic Megadeth. Holy Wars. And that song, the message behind it and the lyrics and everything still hold up to this day, which is kind of scary that uh, Dave Mustaine had that much uh, foresight in his lyrics to uh, continue to make music that stands the test of time. Thank you, David Olufsen, for coming on the My Podcast. Thank you so much for out there for listening to the podcast. And if you want to support the Talk To Me podcast, make sure you're going to your iTunes, going to your Stitcher, to your podcast addict, hitting that subscribe button, and then uh, rating and reviewing and letting everyone know that you are checking out the Talk To Me podcast Thank you guys so much for all the wonderful and kind messages you send me. I love reading those every week, so make sure you're hitting me up on Facebook, facebook.com slash talktometalk. Twitter is at talktometalk. Email the show directly. It's talktometalk at gmail.com, and that's uh, to me, T-O-O-M-E-Y. Also this week, guys, I will be recording my episode of the Hydrate Level 4 podcast. We're going to be uh, discussing the movie Rad, so once that comes out, I will uh, shoot that out to you guys on all of those platforms. Also, I have just uh, sent out some stuff. I'm recording this Sunday night, so I can uh, do some other things with an interview I have tomorrow. So the Pro Wrestling Cast podcast, that I was uh, the live stream of the WrestleMania that I was a part of, came out in podcast slash YouTube form, so I've uh, sent those leaks out. Hopefully you guys check that out. You get to go on there and check out Al John Go and Stephen Anthony's Pro Wrestling Cast. Those two guys put out a great podcast each and every week about wrestling. I go on there and uh, banter about about uh, po- you know wrestling, podcasts, other things, uh, everything WrestleMania related. You know, I get myself in trouble with a few things that I say, but uh, for the most part, I think I made it through the Pro Wrestling Cast WrestleMania live stream. Also the uh, Singer of Framing Hanley Nixon is on there, and the guys from Beer and Body Slams podcast are also on there. So, if you want to go there, check it out. I'm uh, towards the towards about halfway point of the podcast. I pop up and uh, ramble on about some nonsense, and uh, you get to check out an awesome podcast. Those two guys put out great episodes each week. Make sure to check them out, the Pro Wrestling Cast, and uh, you can find them on all of your major platforms. Hey, what's up? This is Bobby Burns from Prime 55, Murder of the Flesh, Killing from the Workplace, Soulfly, etc. And you're listening to Hot Toomey Podcast. I don't know if you're like me, but I am uh, 100% almost over this Guns N' Roses quote-unquote reunion. It's not a reunion. It's Guns N' Roses featuring Slash and Duff McKagan. It's not a reunion until you get Steven Adler and Izzy Stradlin, not the Chinese democracy, whatever uh, lineup that's going on featuring Slash and Duff McKagan. The fact that Axel is making them play Chinese democracy songs just proves to you that it's not a reunion. It's Axel's band, and they are just getting a nice payday. So I know Duff McKagan is good with his money. I know he's doing this because uh, it's a nice, huge, fat payday. Slash is going through some personal issues, too, so... You know that they're doing this uh, for the financial gain. Probably cool to play in front of that many people again. They're playing stadiums this year, which is crazy. They haven't done stadiums till like, since like the uh, Use Your Illusion uh, Metallica tour they did. So kudos to those guys for doing everything. But you knew somehow Dave Grohl was going to be involved with this. And with Axel breaking his foot and Axel coming out on Dave Grohl's throne of guitars which is crazy i mean where was that where was it hiding out i mean did they get that thing shipped in and i mean he broke his foot like that morning i don't know how they got it there that fast it had to have been just sitting around in las vegas or something there's no way that dave Grohl just uh 
have that thing shipped out and uh, sent to him in a couple hours. It's a massive piece of equipment. There's Wherever that was located was just not readily available. So it's pretty insane that uh, Axel got that so fast. And he's sitting there singing the uh, singing the songs. And then uh, obviously with Sebastian Bach, you knew he was going to get involved somehow too. Love Sebastian Bach to death. You know, I, I think they should have him out there for 90% of the show since Axel can't move around. So they can just have Sebastian up there running around like a crazy person, headbanging, pointing, giving Slash the thumbs up and whatever else he needs to do to get that show on the road. So hopefully you guys, if you guys are into this Guns N' Roses reunion, I am not. I think that uh, when I was a kid, it was, you know, I think it was a choice. You either chose Guns N' Roses or Metallica. I was never a big Megadeth versus Metallica guy. I was a Metallica versus Guns N' Roses guy, and I was way more into Metallica than I was Guns N' Roses. I'm more into Duff McKagan now that I've gotten older and I listen to his bass lines, things like that. Like, he is an incredible bass player, and those bass lines on those early Guns N' Roses albums are fantastic. But when I was a kid... I was way into Cliff Burton, Jason Newstead, David Ellefson, all of the great metal bass players at the time, not into the hard rockin' Guns N' Roses. That was just my take on this whole thing, and uh, hopefully you guys, if you guys are into it, kudos to that. Hopefully they will not do any uh, shenanigans like they did back in the early 90s. Hopefully they do this entire stadium tour and you guys get to see a great, great show. Also a lot of great records coming up. I'm so excited for the new Hatebreed album. So excited for the new Devil Driver album. You know, the new uh, Megadeth album is great. The new Killswitch Engage album is great. A lot of great things going on right now. Hopefully you guys are out there and enjoying and buying a lot of music because this is a great time for metal. This is a great time for all of our classic bands to continue to put out new music. I keep saying it on this podcast over and over. This is a great time for music. This is a great time for metal music. This is a great time for new metal. This is a great time for a lot of the bands in the late 90s, early 2000s to put out great new albums. And for all of us that have gotten a little older in our age to go back and find out those albums. or And for all the kids that are out there that are getting into that type of music, uh, you know, new albums coming out for those guys too. So you've got a lot of a huge fan base of people that grew up listening to it. A lot of people that are just now getting into it. And to all those bands out there that are putting out great records, thank you so much. Thank you guys for continuing to put out new music because this is such a hard climate to want to put out new music. So kudos to you guys for continuing uh, to put out new music forging on and making all of the fans out there happy and also want to say a huge uh, apology for the last episode of the talk to me podcast i uh, edit these myself normally i catch everything but somehow my nose clearing throat clearing snort came out made it through the editing process and uh, when i listened back to that podcast I listen back to it, you know, just to kind of get the vibe of how you guys hear it, you know, from start to finish. I like to listen to it to see what it sounds like when I go to work and listen to podcasts in my uh, environment. And when I listen to that and uh, after the interview, I heard my nose snort come through. I almost died. I was so, uh, so taken aback by it. And I, you know, I almost, uh, you know, went back, edited it out once I got home and re, uh, you know, put up the interview. But you know, with the uh, when I originally put the interview up, I just put the interview up, no podcast. I accidentally put up the wrong file, so I caught that. And then I went back and uh, re-uploaded the interview to my uh, podcast servers, and uh, you know, so they finally came out. And then I noticed on my podcast attic that I had two episodes up there for the same thing. So if you guys had any issues, any issues downloading the uh, last episode, the Brock Lindau episode of the Thirty Six Crazy Fists. Um, 
episode of the Talk To Me podcast. I apologize now for uh, any inconveniences that that gave you, and hopefully you guys are... uh, Hopefully you guys heard the podcast. I know, you know, my download numbers were on par with all of my other episodes. So it looks like you guys found it. Thank you guys. If you're a new listener to the podcast, thanks for checking it out. If you're an old listener to the podcast, thank you guys for uh, continuing to listen each and every week. And again, a big thank you to the sponsors of this Talk To Me podcast. Make sure to go check out pockhockey.com, P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Get yourself some Dave Ellison gear, 36 Crazy Fist, Tom Hazard, a lot of pro hockey players and all that wonderful stuff. Go check them out and let them know that the Talk To Me podcast sent you. Also, if you want a Talk To Me t-shirt, go over to Amazon.com, search out the Talk To Me podcast, and get yourself a Talk To Me t-shirt. I'm going to leave you guys this week with the new Hate Breed song. It's called AD. Hopefully you guys have checked out the uh, Hate Breed lyric, lyric video that just came out. It's a great tune, heavy tune. Uh, the message behind it's great. You know, Go check it out on YouTube. Watch the uh, lyric video. Read the lyrics along with it. Jamie has a lot of great things to say, a lot of uh, current events that are going on, very similar to the Holy Wars. You know, a lot of current events going on now that uh, need to be said. So go and check that out. Support Frank Novinick, Talk To Me alumni, and the rest of the boys in Hatebreed. And uh, when their new album comes out next month in May, make sure to check it out, The Concrete Confessional. This is a new Hatebreed song I'm going to leave you guys with this week. So thank you guys for checking out the podcast each and every week. Reach out to me. Say hello. I love getting the messages from you guys. And uh, here's some new Hatebreed. You guys have a great week. Talk to you soon. This dream can't be what it used to be.